Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. All right, turn your Bible with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 16. Before that, I must kind of set up the story a little bit. Since Pastor Elijah is not here tonight, I'm going to talk about him the rest of the night. Is that all right? They say not to talk behind people's back, but he's not here tonight, so I'm going to talk about Elijah the rest of the night. Amen? Amen. And y'all can tell him what I said about him, and it'll be on podcasts and all that too. So, No, but we are going to be talking about the prophet Elijah tonight. I thought it was kind of funny as I thought about that when I was coming up, um, that we will be talking about the prophet Elijah. Let me set up the story a little bit before we jump in, because we're going to read a good, good, good bit of scripture here. We're going to have some reading time. Amen? We still do read the Bible in church, right? I heard, a, I heard a, a man of God say one time that, you know, if you do anything else, before you do anything else as you preach in the message, one of my favorite preachers, a great man of God, a great youth pastor, he's a senior pastor now, and he said, you know, my dad taught me in a message, read the scripture first before you say anything else or do anything else, because if it bombs from there, at least you read the word, amen? So I'm gonna re- we're going to read a good chunk of the word, but I do want to set up the scripture before I get into it. At this time in Israel, Israel was in a drought. Because of the wickedness of the king at the time, King Ahab. The Bible says that King Ahab was the wickedest king ever in Israel up to that time. And then the Bible goes on to say, if it wasn't bad enough, some of the reasons why King Ahab was so wicked, because he was causing the children of Israel, God's chosen people, to fall into idolatry by worshiping idols such as Baal and Ashtoreth and whatnot. And then the Bible says, on top of that, if that wasn't bad enough, he went ahead and married Jezebel. Anybody ever heard of that woman, Jezebel? Anybody ever been called a Jezebel, ladies? If not, I hope not. Okay. Good. That would not be a compliment if somebody ever calls you Jezebel, just FYI. So King Ahab's wicked king, Israel's in a, in a great form of a great idolatry, most wickedest king, crazy broad Jezebel. And so now the prophet Elijah comes to King Ahab and tells him that Israel is going to be in a severe drought for a few years. So King Ahab begins to search for the prophet Elijah and, and, and look for him to try to kill him, to try to take him out. So he sends out uh, himself and a, and a servant uh, to, to find him. And why they're looking for him, and, and, and they were actually out looking, um, doing something else, um, rounding up some horses and some mules and stuff because it was a great famine taking place. The servant Obadiah runs into Elijah at this point. I mean, the king's been searching for him. At this moment, there wasn't. So just to clarify it, they were out looking and, and trying to find, take, you know, going all over with, you know, with, with cattle and stuff they had left in the land because of the severe drought. Obadiah runs into Elijah, and we're going to pick up the story there. Like I said, y'all hang with me. We're going to read quite a few scriptures, because I think if, if you haven't, if you've never heard, a lot of y'all have heard this story before, but if you haven't, I don't want to just assume. I don't want to assume that you know the story, so I want to read it. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. A lot of, it, it's known as the, the, the contest on Mount Carmel, uh, many different things, but we're going to pick up. 1 Kings 18, beginning in verse 16, says this, So Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, So is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? I have made no trouble of Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Assyria. 
Ashtoreth, who are supported by Jezebel. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets of Mount Carmel, on prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If you have that in your Bible, if you highlight something, if you have on your phone, I want you to underline or highlight or even jot that down. How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. Then Elijah said to him, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of the altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood of the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Then Elijah went to the prophets of Baal. You go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God. But do not set fire to the wood. Verse 26. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, O Baal, answer us! But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, because surely he is a god. Perhaps he is daydreaming or is relieving himself. Or maybe he is away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be awakened. So they shouted louder, and following their normal customs, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, no response. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as they repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And then he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar, the, around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they had finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did it as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time of the offering, the, for the offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you brought them back to yourselves. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord, He is God. Then Elijah commanded, Seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all, and Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. Everybody take a deep breath. I need one. Isn't that an awesome story? I love this story. I love this story about the contest on Mount Carmel. See, Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to a contest to prove who was the true God. Baal or the Lord? 
We see that in verse 24. This contest took place on Mount Carmel. On this mountain, Canaanites would build sanctuaries to pagan weather gods. This was an ideal place for a confrontation to show the supremacy of the Lord over Baal. You see, it's amazing. When I, actually, whenever I was studying for this message, it's amazing. I've always read this, and I've preached some sermons out of it before. But, but as I looked at that, you see, it's amazing. I just heard somebody say that recently. I think it was Pastor Kelly. You know, the devil doesn't have any new lies. He just had the same lies, and he repackages them. You see, they used to, you know, they, they used to worship Baal, which was a weather god back then. You ever heard anybody, and if you said this, just not really knowing whatever, but you ever hear people refer to Mother Nature? You know, Mother Nature, that's a, that's a repackaged lie of the enema. People don't, don't acknowledge Father God as the creator. They, they, um, they acknowledge Mother Nature. Man, you want to see some really crazy stuff? This is a side note. Oh yeah, the whole weather, uh, the whole weather guys and stuff, just real quick. I saw a YouTube video not too long ago of these people, which are called extreme uh, ecoists. And they were the, like these severe, like tree hugging people that were, I'm telling you, go look that up. Extreme ecoists, uh, mourn for trees or something like that. Type in something like that on YouTube. And these people were wailing and mourning and crying out to the trees that had been killed in the forest. It was disturbing. Like really, they were like, no, we, we can, we just come here to tell you we care. And they're talking to trees that have been cut down. First of all, the live trees can't even hear them. More or less dead trees that have been cut down and are probably like this paper that I'm using tonight, you know? But what it is, it's, it's a whole thing. It, no matter what it is, and I, I know I'm, I'm kind of harping on that, but what it is, is it's, it's people worshiping. The Bible talks about this. People worshiping. God's creation instead of the creator. Amen. So just giving you a root of, of what all that, that stuff is, all the earthy, you know, and look, I'm all about, I love God's creation. I love being outdoors. I love nature. Started hunting again a couple years ago. I love it. I love watching sunrise, sunset, the beautiful cypress trees we have in Louisiana. It's awesome, but we don't worship these things, but this is, this is a, even all the way back then. So anyway, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked here. Just a side note. Um, so this is an ideal place for this confrontation. We see in verse 21, and, and this is where, this is the name of this message. This is where I want to hone in. Verse 21. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? I know last week I listened to Pastor Kelly's message today. I know last week Pastor Kelly preached on the danger of a false conversion. And so I know, I know, you know, he, he brought the word about that. And, and some of y'all, maybe some of y'all in here might have not been truly converted. He talked about the different things of, of a true conversion. But I'm going to tell you tonight, some of y'all in here that are truly born again. They're true. Y'all are truly born again. You have accepted Christ in your life, but along the way somewhere, maybe you have hobbled or maybe even in your mind or maybe in your actions and your thoughts and your philosophies, you have hobbled and you have wavered between the thoughts and the things of the world and the things of God. So tonight, the name of this message is how much longer will you waver? How much longer will you waver? I'm going to go down through this story. We're going to recap, read a few verses, and I want to look at a few key things in this story tonight. How much longer will you waver? The classic challenge that Elijah said describes the double-mindedness of the people. He is telling them, you must follow the Lord wholeheartedly or not at all. Question tonight, are you following the Lord wholeheartedly or do you waver between the world, sin, or different ideas of who God is? 
Let me ask you, how many of y'all in here uh, watched the World Cup just about a month or so ago, was following the World Cup? Me too. I, I'm not a big soccer guy, but I'm a patriotic and I like sports. So, uh, you know, I started following it, watching it. There was a hashtag that Adidas had, a little slogan, and I know I'm sure it was all over Twitter, but the hashtag said, all in or nothing. And I like that. It said, all in or nothing. Jared throwing up the hashtag sign back there. But I like that. That's good. You know, one of the times, you know, me and, me and my wife, you know, after the holidays and all that, we all go through the cycles of exercise and we got back in. I think it was when we joined the, the gym together uh, and we started working out. We had that little thing going too. We, we'd text each other about our workouts or whatnot and I, we, would, we would put that, you know. You know, you joke around even in text and do hashtags and stuff, just messing around. And we'd say that, I'm all in. I'm all in. Just like that Adidas slogan. Let me ask you a question. Are you all in? Because you know what? You know, Adidas didn't come up with that. All in or nothing. You know who came up with that slogan? You want to take a guess who came up with that? Jesus. That's right. He said it a different way. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold and not lukewarm. That's He's saying you need to be all in or nothing at all. Amen? Amen? Amen. Do y'all doubt that it was Adidas and not Jesus that came up with that? Okay, it wasn't. It, Jesus said either you be hot or you be cold. And this is this is what this is what um, Elijah is telling. And you got to remember, listen, set the background here. He's talking about the children of Israel. These these prophets of Baal, they weren't foreigners. They weren't pagans. They would turn pagans, but they were actually the Israelites that had begun to worship Baal. That's what that's what it was. These were actually, you know, Jewish people that that turned Ahab had turned them away to Baal. That's why he's saying, how long are you going to waver between the Lord and Baal? And so that's my question tonight. How long are you going to waver between the world, sin, or even just your ideas of who God is? See, we we created an idea of who God is in our head. I know that's why Pastor Kelly did an awesome job last week about a true conversion. And, and you know, uh, Pastor Joe Stocks, I know a lot of y'all just um, went to, to the 220 conference. Did he mention his book, uh, Half Gospel? Did he talk about that? He just, he, just, he just wrote a book called Half Gospel and how, you know, there's the full gospel. There's heaven and there's hell. And there's hell. And the Bible tells us clearly who God is, who God desires us to be, the fullness of God. He's loving, he's kind, but he's also just. Listen, we got to get to a point where we're no longer wavering. We're all in or it's nothing. It's all in or nothing out. Listen to what James 1, 6 and 8 says. But when you ask him, this was speaking about wisdom, but the context is about wisdom, but the, the principle is the same. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in all that they do. Let me encourage you, young people. Whenever you, 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 you decide you make a decision to serve the Lord and you get on the fence it doesn't just affect your, your, your walk with the Lord. The Bible says it affects everything you do. They are unstable in everything they do. And I see that. I, I see that whenever, you know, all the years working with teenagers and, and now even adults, I see people that are inconsistent in their jobs, inconsistent in their, their, their schooling. They're inconsistent in their walk with God as well. When you waver and you're double-minded about who God is and if you're going to serve God and surrender to God and make God your, your Lord, Jesus, your Lord and Savior, that word Lord means supreme master. When you're unstable in that, it can throw everything else off in your life. 
Because one minute you believe this and you, you're driven by, by this purpose and this desire and what you're going to do. And then the next minute, like, well, no, I don't know if I believe that. So you're driven by this. It's, it's instability and it's not healthy for us, not only in our walk with the Lord, but in our whole life. Amen. Amen. Come on. Like I say, too, if y'all don't talk back to me, I'm going to preach longer. I'll be I'll be up in here till nine o'clock tonight. So the more you talk back, the faster I'll preach. Amen. Okay, a little bit better. Y'all must want to stay here. We have a lock-in up in here tonight. No, I'm just joking. Okay, hey, there you go. Thank you. No, in all my years of being a youth pastor, I never did a lock-in. So praise the Lord. I heard too many horror stories, so I learned. Okay, so I want to challenge you tonight. Don't waver. If you've been wavering, and I'm going to give you, as we keep going, I'm going to give you some, some other things. Well, one of the reasons you might waver, or you might say, well, Brandon, the reason I, it's hard sometimes is because I feel like I'm the only one that truly wants to be like Elijah, that truly wants to serve the Lord, that wants to stand for God and walk in, in purity and holiness and righteousness. But all these other knuckleheads in my family and in my neighborhood and especially in my school, nobody else wants to serve the Lord. I'm the only one. I feel like the only one or one of the only ones even some people in our own youth ministry i feel like i'm one of the only ones that truly want to go after god and it seems nearly impossible maybe that's one of the reasons you're wavering well let me encourage you elijah felt that way too elijah felt that way too look at verse 22 it says then elijah said to them i am the only prophet of the lord who is left but baal has 400 and 50. You know, in the natural, this contest on Mount Carmel, the odds were 450 to 1. It seemed impossible, but not with the Lord. We know Jesus said, Matthew 19, 26, look, he looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You might believe. And that's the way you see it or feel like, like I said, you're the only one. Let's say in your school, schools will be starting in a couple of weeks or a little over a week for some of y'all. I know. And you know what? You might feel as you get back to school, especially if you go to a public school, and you might feel like, man, I feel like I'm the only one in my class or even that really wants to serve the Lord. It seems impossible. How can little old me make a difference? Jesus made it clear. With God, all things are possible. You know, Elijah felt like he was the only one. He wasn't. Later on, the Lord tells him, you're not the only one. I still have reserved a certain amount of prophets that are still sold out for me. But you might feel like that. You're the only one in your school, your neighborhood. It may seem impossible to live out your faith and walk with Christ because you feel like you're the only one. It's not impossible. You know why? Because the Lord, listen to me. The Lord is with you and has equipped you. Not that he will equip you. Listen to me, young people. He has equipped you. Look at 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one, the one true God, who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. What does it say? God will give us everything we need. Is that what it says? God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. If you have been truly converted, if you are a born-again believer, if you have the Spirit of the living God living in you, God has given you everything you need to live a godly life, even if you are the only one. He has equipped you. He has called you to stand firm, to stand up. Like Elijah, he equipped him. We see the outcome of this story. He seemed like he was the only one. That in itself, just him in the natural going up there, he, he, 
the prophets of Baal, the king could have easily seized him and killed him. But the Lord was with them in the natural and spiritually. God has a quick, listen, I know it's not easy. I know it seems impossible. Some of y'all, I know some of y'all don't know me and haven't heard any of my testimony stories and stuff. But for me, when I got first got saved, it was very hard. When I got saved, I was working in construction and I, and I, I continued to work in construction. I was a painter for a few years after I got saved before I came to, to work here at the church. And it, man, the same people I used to run with, I used to, you know, get drunk with, do drugs with, sell drugs to, you know, go out with and party. When I got saved, I was still working with all those dudes. And, and it was hard. Those guys gave me a hard time. Started telling me, oh man, religion's for weak-minded people. Why are you giving all your money to that church? And like all these crazy stuff. And it was not easy. My own boss, who is also, and it still is to this day, one of my best friends, he was the one giving me one of the hardest times. Telling me that. You, man, religion's for weak-minded people. And just drilling me, man. Giving me, it was such a hard time to stand and to walk with the Lord. But God gave me the grace. He equipped me with everything I needed to where I kept loving on them, witnessing to them, until eventually my boss ended up getting saved and giving his life to the Lord. God has given you everything you need to live a godly life and stand for him. Amen? Y'all with me? Y'all still awake? If you're awake, say, I'm awake. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, wake up. All right. Now let's read. This is, this is definitely one of my favorite parts of the story. So make a decision. God has equipped you. Let's, let's read verses 25 to, through 28. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God. But do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, O Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. About noontime, this is awesome. I love this part. Around noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You have to shout louder. He scoffed, for he is surely a God. Perhaps he's daydreaming or he's relieving himself. He's saying he's probably in the bathroom. He's in the bathroom. Shout louder. I love that. Or maybe he is away on a trip or is asleep and he needs to be awake. Elijah realized this was a false god. They were talking to nobody. And this is even the kicker. So they shouted louder. They listened to Elijah. It's like, dude, seriously? You believe that your god might be in the bathroom? That you're going to shout louder? I I love it, you know? So Elijah's mocking him. I can just see him laughing like, bunch of fools, man. So they shouted louder. And following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. The prophets of Baal spent six hours crying out to their God with no response. They even went as far as cutting themselves. They were cutting themselves in an attempt to get the attention of a false God because they didn't know the true God. Or they had, let me say, they had turned their backs from the true God that had created them and loved them. And so they were trying to get the attention of a false God and they begin to cut themselves. You know, this generation today is still cutting themselves. Y'all are still cutting yourself. There might be some in this room still as I speak. Either you have or you may still be cutting yourself. And you see, the reason why there is people cut themselves or you may be cutting yourself because there's pain deep down on the inside that you haven't dealt with. And either you don't know the God that has created you, or you haven't gone to him for healing. Just like them, they were trying to get the attention 
from Baal and and this generation cuts themselves in order to get someone's attention because of the hurt and the deep pain. And I know Pastor Elijah dealt with this in a series just recently, because, but I'm a, I'm a, I felt like I need to go over it again. What, the pain that's deep down inside, you're trying to get someone's attention by cutting yourself. I know I've sat there across the office with people that were cutting themselves. And I know, and the root of it is deep pain, deep trauma, things that have happened in your life that hurt so much. Instead of going to the God that's created you, that loves you, that can, that can heal every hurt, that can heal every wound, that knows you better than you know yourself, that created you, you're trying to get the attention of a person or maybe even a false God or someone out there, a cry for help. If that's you tonight, I want to encourage you to get help. I want to encourage you to get help. I want to encourage you tonight as we close out for prayer. I want you to come talk to me or talk to one of the leaders. Or if you feel more comfortable when Pastor Elijah and Kia come back next week, talk to them. Talk to someone. We want to get you help. That's not normal. It's not right. Okay? Once again, you remember I said the enemy has no new lies. He just repackages them. Isn't that amazing how we see people thousands of years ago cutting themselves and people are still doing that today? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. The Lord, listen, let me say this. You have the Lord's attention. The Lord sees you. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, no matter if you're an only child, or especially if you're in a home and and you, you have a bunch of siblings and you feel like nobody sees me, nobody hears me, nobody understands where I'm at, I want to encourage you tonight. The Lord knows exactly where you're at. He feels your pain. He sees you. You don't have to do things like cut yourself or whatever other dysfunctional behavior that might be going in on inside your life or internally. It might not even be an outward behavior. It might just be in your mind. It might be some inner turmoil. I just want to encourage you. You don't have to do all that to get his attention. You have the Lord's attention. Amen. All right, let's move on to verse 36 and 37 now. At the usual time of the offering... The evening, the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. You know, that's awesome. Whenever people, and this whole thing was about, okay, who's the true the true God, the true living God. Nowadays, we know so many people are so many different gods and the deception of, you know, all gods lead, you know, all churches, religions, whatever, lead to the same God. That's another lie from the pit of hell. That is not true. There's one true living God, the God of the Bible, Yahweh and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe that, you know, when people know that you believe this with all your heart and that you're willing to proclaim to them and they see the Lord working in your life, That the Lord will use that to draw people back to Him. I love how it says that. It says, Oh Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have brought them back to yourself. You see, there, there, there's a multitude of people all around you that are hurting, that may even know, may have known the Lord, walked to the Lord, or deep down, they know there's a true God that loves them, that is beckoning, calling them, because the Bible says that He has placed eternity in the hearts of every person. And so, you know what, when people see and they see you have no doubt and you stand firm in what you believe, no matter what, 
No matter what, that would cause the Lord to, to, to cause the Lord to use you to draw them back. Just Monday night, my wife and I went to, uh, we were invited to a family's house to have supper with them. Uh, it was a family in our church that knew another family, a mom, uh, that's going through a real hard time. She lost her 23, 24 year old son a couple, a couple months ago. He died and her other son right now is on trial for armed robbery. So you could about imagine what this mom's going through right now. And this mom, I actually prayed with her over the phone. She lives in Mississippi. I actually prayed with her over the phone before her son had died. When her other son had first got charged with this armed robbery, I prayed for her. And she's a woman of God. She was standing in agreement, God's promises, praying over the phone with me. But then praying about all of this, she loses her other son, tragically. Like they not even sure his heart stopped and, and he died. And so now she's really struggling with her faith. And, and, and so my wife and I went over there the other night, and as we're talking to this mom and, this, and the brother that's struggling, I'm sitting across from him telling him, look, man, I know exactly what you're going through. I lost my only brother five and a half years ago. And his first question was, how did you get through it? Well, I'm glad you asked. And then I'm sitting there across from that mom. I have no idea. I have four children of my own. I have no idea what it's like to lose a child. And I'm asking, and she's asking me. I'm telling her that I want my mom to talk to her. I would love for you to talk to my mom because my mom's going through the same thing. And she said, did you, mom, ever get past it? I said, yes, she did. I said, my mom is strong. My mom's a woman of God. How did she do it? Only by the grace of God. You know, and that, we, we talked, and for a while, I felt like I wasn't getting through. How could God let this happen? I trusted God. I stood in his word, and all of this stuff still happened. He let me down. He took my son. She was saying all that stuff. And I was like, man, with all due respect, God didn't take your son. That's another side note. And people say that, oh, well, God took him home. God is not the author of death. He's the author of life. Amen? The thief comes to kill, still in the He comes to give us life and life abundantly. So she's saying all these things that I'm ministering to her. By the end of the night, I felt like, man, this is not going anywhere. I'm going to just have to pray for this lady. But by the end of the night, something changed. And the couple that had invited us over to the house to minister to this family said, man, did y'all see that? She changed by the end of the night. By the end of the night, she was lighter. Her countenance had changed and, and, and she seemed brighter, you know. And, and, and I believe is exactly what that scripture said. Us just, even in my tragedy, losing my dad. My dad committed suicide when I was 19. And then my, 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 I lost my only brother five and a half years ago. I've experienced my own sets of tragedy, losing my dad in a, such a tragic way, losing my only brother and walking through 10 years of drug abuse, him being a vegetable before month, four months before he died on his 33rd birthday. I've, I've walked through that. And because she saw that I was standing, this is all glory to God because I'm standing firm on what I believe in who God is. And I know he's the one true God. And I can still look her in her eye and say, God is still good. God is still faithful. Even though your situation has changed, God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that's part of why her countenance changed because the Lord used me and my wife standing firm and saying, no matter what tragedy, you know what? The Lord, he is God and we are serving him. And offered her hope. So the Lord wants to do the same thing to you. It ain't just because I'm a pastor. God wants to do that to you, with you in your school, where, wherever you're at in your family. If you homeschool, it don't matter. If you play sports, if you dance, or you're at the grocery store, God wants to see. God, people want to see that you're going to stand firm with the Lord no matter what. And He wants you to know that He's the run true God so He can draw you back to Him. Like I said, you maybe tonight been one that has been wavering, or maybe you have wavered. You know, if you don't get down and trust and believe that there's no other God, there's no, no, no bell of our day is going to come close to the one true living God. 
Till you get that down. And when you get that down, the Lord is going to begin to draw you back. And that's what I told her. She's like, I don't know. I used to love. She's like, I love reading his word. I love this peace. I love this presence. And as she was saying, I just felt like the Lord told me, give her the scripture in Revelations where it says you've lost your first love. Go back and do the things you, you once did. You did it at the beginning, should I say. And I encourage her to read the word and, and all these things. And I knew in that the Lord began to draw her back to him. Amen? Amen? Okay, I'm about to land the plane. Y'all bear with me. Verse 38 says this, wrapping it up. Immediately after he prayed all this, and, and, and he, he prayed for God to answer him because he wanted the Lord to draw them back. Immediately, the Bible says, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. Immediately, I love that. The God, the fire of God consumed everything on and around the altar. If you've been wavering, how is it that you're going to get into a place where you're standing firm no matter what happens, no matter what? If you've been doubting, what what is it that's going to cause you to stand firm no matter and stay seeking the Lord no matter how hurtful things get, how hard things get, no matter what happens? I think it's right here. It's the fire of God, God consuming our lives. Hebrews 12, 29 says, for our God is a consuming fire. God doesn't want to just be in a part of our lives and just something we do on church on Wednesdays and Sunday. He wants to consume our life. He wants to consume every part of our life. I love this. And Jesus in the temple and he's turning over the money tables and running, running the money changes out the temple. I love this. John 2, 17, after he does all of this, it says that the disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. You see, Brother Jim said a couple Sundays ago, Jesus, even though Jesus was God, he emptied himself of all his God prerogatives and he became, he was a total man filled with the Spirit of God, so full of the Spirit of God, not only the Spirit of God because the Bible says it was poured out upon him without measure, but Jesus was totally consumed with the, with the will of God and was so driven by the passion of God, that's why he did what he did. Like Brother Jim said, Jesus is an example of the Spirit of God poured out upon man maximum to the maximum maximum amount was consumed by the passion of God and that's why he was able to do and that's why all the things he did that's why Jesus said these things you will do and even more than I'll do if we get consumed with God's passion if we allow God to consume us when you allow the Lord to consume your life you have such a passion for him that nothing or no one will be able to convince you that he is not real that he is not the one true living God. Amen. And in verse 39 is the last scripture I'll read and we'll close. It says, and when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord, he is God. Once it was all over and showed his mighty power, the prophets acknowledged that the Lord was indeed the one true God. Everybody stand up with me. Come on, this is, this is the key right here. This is the key right here. We must be consumed. I, I want to encourage you, young people. I know whenever you hear that, especially those that have been in church a long time, they say, well, well we need to be consumed with, with God. We need to be consumed with every part of, of God in, in, in our life and everything God needs to just consume us. You know, I pray that. You know, whenever I remember I read, read that a couple years ago and it just leaped off the pages and I begin to pray that, Lord, I pray that passion for you would consume me. It says passion for God's house consumed. That word house means God, uh, his people, his will, his purposes, not just like the house, like the temple or the church building. 
It means every part of God, his will, his purpose. And listen, I, there's things that I'm passionate about, that I love. If y'all, any of y'all that know me know I'm passionate about football. No, I'm passionate about hunting. It's all right to, to be passionate about hobbies and things, maybe sports, dancing, art, music, whatever you might be passionate about. That's okay. But you know what? It should not exceed our passion for the Lord. And that's the key. You know what? We can do all these things. Listen, guys, God wants us to have fun. He wants us to do those things. I know God has blessed me with LSU tickets and hunting trips and, and all of that. I know I'm his child. You are his child. He wants to bless you and you to have fun. But he also wants to consume every part of your life. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed right now. Come on, if you say, you know what, Brandon? I'm, I'm tired of wavering. Maybe, maybe last week... It, you know, it, it might have not been a, a false conversion thing or whatnot, but you, you know, you've given your life to Christ. You, you've walked with him. You've served him. You, you, you've come to church. You've done those things. But you, you, you always seem to get tripped up maybe. You're, you're wavering. You've been wavering. And you say, you, you, you say, man, Lord, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be the one that, like the prophets of Baal, that hobble back and forth anymore. Come on, every every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't want nobody looking around. Come on, let's just do business with God right now. Come on, if that's you and you say, Brandon, I've been wavering. I'm tired of waving. Just slip up your hand. I'm not going to have you come up to the altar right now. Come on, slip your hand up. I see your hand. Anybody else? I've been wavering. Come on, be bold. Lift your hand to the Lord. Say, I've been wavering right now. Come on, hands going up all over the room. I've been wavering. I don't want to waver anymore. Come on, I don't want to waver anymore. Come on, if you have your hand up right now, just begin to pray and repent and just ask the Lord to forgive you. Come on, do business with God. You don't have to come to the altar right now. You can stay in your seat. Do business with God. Tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me for wavering. Forgive me for hobbling back and forth between you and the world, between you and sin, between, between the ideas I have about you from, from, from school and from what the Bible tells me. Lord, I want to be steadfast. I want to serve you. I want to be all in or nothing. Come on, begin to tell him that. Lord, I'm all in. Come on, if you mean that tonight, no more looking back, no more hobbling, no more wavering. Say, Lord, I want to be all in. It ain't just a cute hashtag that's on the fence at the World Cup. Come on, this is real life. This is eternity we're talking about. Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, not lukewarm, not on the fence, or I will spit you out of my mouth. Come on, let's, let's get on fire for God and stay on fire for the Lord. Come on, tonight, if you say, Brandon... I just want to be consumed. I want the fire of God to consume my life. If that's you, come on, I want you to come up to the altar right now. Come on, whoever that is, it might be those that raise your hands or not. I want you to come up with the altar. Come on, we're going to sing a song and we're going to pray and we're just going to believe that the Lord is going to begin to consume my life. Come on, leader, whoever, come up, come on up. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Let's pray that the Lord will consume us. Come on, there's there's room. Anybody else? I want to be consumed by the fire of God. The Bible says that the fire immediately. Come on, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for the next conference. You don't have to wait for the next encounter. The Bible says immediately the fire of God came down, consumed everything on the altar, everything around the altar, licked it all up. Come on, tonight, immediately, supernaturally, you can be consumed by the fire of God right now. Passion for God can just consume you. Every bit of you right now. Come on, begin to pray that. Come on, begin to cry out to the Lord right now. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. 